Well, the search for the, uh, the Phantom Father's Day gift is officially over. If you don't have it now, you don't have it. You know what I mean by Phantom gift? It's like you don't know what you're going to get, but you know that when I see it, I'll know what it is. It's kind of like every, you ever get where you're hungry and you start looking through your house, looking through your refrigerator, you know, I'm hungry, but I don't know what I want. How many know that experience? Can I see what I'm saying? Yeah, and, and, and we end up getting something. We want something that's going to be tasty and fast. And so we, we look for teasy food. That's the two of those combined. And that's why God made McDonald's, so that we uh, would not be searching and scrimmaging through our houses. But we also, as human beings, um, we go on this phantom search most of our life from the time we're aware of much at all looking for something called satisfaction and satisfaction is is a real experience we all experience it at various levels and right now it would be fascinating if if we were to rate ourselves you know how satisfied am i right now now it would look so different in here because here's the reality there would be times or seasons in our life where we say you know generally speaking man i'm I'm just satisfied and then we might go through a season in life where something is going wrong it might be vocationally it might be physically it might be relationally and all of a sudden our satisfaction quotient would go way down so it would be very different based on what's going on in our life but but is that a good basis for this this whole measure of satisfaction so we're going to talk about today God-given satisfaction we're in this series called game-changing God-given gifts and some of the gifts that God wants to give to each and every human being in this big, bad, imperfect world we live in, they are game-changing, life-changing, they're, they're positive, they're very desirable, one of which is satisfaction. Now, to show you that this search for satisfaction is something that's, you know, very common, it's been going on throughout the human race, throughout human history, uh, I, could, I could say some words to a couple songs, and you would be able to complete them. For example... I still haven't found what I'm, look, think about what that's saying. I'm looking, looking, looking for something. I don't know what it is. And I'm checking things out. I'm trying things. I'm experimenting. It's not this. It's not this. I thought that was it for a while, but no, that's not it. And I'm still looking. Uh, if I were to say to you, I can't get no, you would say, but have you tried, 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 tried? <laughs> so, these songs they kind of bring back to our consciousness that there is this human search for satisfaction so i want to start us off by thinking about why 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 do we even bother why do we pursue satisfaction because these songs are saying it's not easy to find and if you find it it doesn't seem to ever come in a perfect entire form it seems like we are insatiable on some level it seems like there's some things that we want that this life as it is simply can't provide is that possible is is it possible that you have desires i have desires that this world as it is simply cannot will not ever be able to satisfy because of the nature of the world the way it is we'll we'll kind of cover that in this message so why do we pursue it let's let scripture talk to us job 32 verse 8 it says but it is the spirit in a person the breath of the almighty that gives them what understanding now, now this is an interesting verse because what it's saying is that you know God has breathed life into humanity he's given us a part of himself our life consists of his life and with this life that we receive from God we receive a spirit uh, spirit is a little hard for us to define but the closest we can come it's it's kind of our God enlightened reasoning faculties joined with our conscience 
And the way it was meant to function, we were supposed to have our minds and our reason full of the truth about God and the truth about life as God reveals it. Likewise, our conscience calibrated to God's truth. But sometimes that's not true. But at any rate, we have this spirit. We have this inner life, this inner world. And we all know, I hope we all know, it doesn't matter how good things are going in our exterior life. We could have the best circumstances in the world. We could have all the money of Elon Musk. We could have people that like us, love us, think we're wonderful, popular. We could have all the talent there is to have. And if inside we are not whole, we are not satisfied, we are not happy, whatever term you want to use, it doesn't matter what we have on the outside. So the inside, the spirit, we go searching for satisfaction because there's this part of God that is in us and it drives us, it compels us. And if you consider it, all throughout our life, we are more or less driven by something from within seeking satisfaction. There's another verse that adds to this from Ecclesiastes 3.11. It says, he's given human beings an awareness of what? Eternity. Now, it doesn't say a lot. It just says that, that every human being, because we have the spirit inside of us, the gift from God, we are also aware of eternity. And that kind of drives us to seek satisfaction and to seek it not just on temporal terms but eternal terms I, I want to be satisfied and I want to be satisfied now and, and tomorrow and forever he's placed uh, in us this awareness of eternity but in such a way that they can't fully comprehend from the beginning to the end the things that God does so it's in us it causes a kind of a restlessness frankly a healthy restlessness but that's one of the reasons why we are driven as human beings to pursue satisfaction and to pursue it on multiple levels and to pursue it more or less throughout the rest of our life. Now, it creates its own frustration. The same writer of Ecclesiastes, which was Solomon, says this. And if you read chapter 2 and the rest of or the whole book of Ecclesiastes, but chapter 2 is enough, Solomon says, you know what? I went everywhere, did everything, tried everything, indulged myself shamelessly, had the money and the time to do it, and nothing, nothing really hit the target. Nothing brought the satisfaction that Solomon was seeking. Read Ecclesiastes sometime on your own. But he comes to this conclusion, he says, so I came to hate life because the activities done under the sun were loathsome to me since everything is meaningless and feeding on the wind what he was talking about if you read the verses after he's talking about death he says that because death captures everybody it stalks us from the moment that we are born it makes all of our activity all our pursuits all, all of our short-term gratification satisfaction it makes it ultimately meaningless and so this drive for satisfaction on multiple levels ultimate levels eternal levels and yet the frustration with death and the inescapability of it it brought him to a place where, as a philosopher, he's looking at life and saying, I hate this. this. This is not a good experience. So we're driven to seek satisfaction because God, the creator, has put his life in us. That life fixates us on eternity, and we look for something that will matter, something that will satisfy, and something that will satisfy forever. Let's look at another psalm that adds a piece to this puzzle. Psalm 145 explains another reason why we look for satisfaction. It says of the Lord, it says, You, meaning God, open your hand and satisfy the what? The desires of every living thing. Now, we know exactly what this is talking about. One of the reasons we seek satisfaction is because we have already found satisfaction in many, many areas in life. 
you desire to breathe and there is air there is oxygen you desire to drink and there is water you desire to eat and there is food um, you get tired you desire to sleep and there is sleep we could go on and on and on we we find that we have certain desires certain drives certain needs whatever term you want to use and there's always something for it it's it's God saying I created you with a lot of thought in mind I mean, I, I was talking the other week about this. Wouldn't it have been a bummer if God would have created us with taste buds that you could only taste one thing? Everything you ate tastes like mashed potatoes. And I'm going to tell you, I like mashed potatoes. But I don't want everything to taste like mashed potatoes. You know, you eat a piece of cake, it tastes like mashed potatoes. Eat that bacon with the fudge on it. It tastes like mashed potatoes. How many guys got the bacon with the fudge? Yeah, I didn't get any of that. I, didn't, I don't. Perhaps, perhaps there'll be a fragment left. But I, I, I don't care because I got a big breakfast deal waiting for me uh, later on. But So anyway... We seldom think about this, but, but God, in tremendous love, the most loving thing that God could do was to create beings that can experience life on the level that he himself experienced it, and that's what he's done with humanity. And along with it, he put in, put in all these pleasure mechanisms. He didn't have to put there. He didn't have to make our taste buds where we can taste all these different flavors, where our eyes, where they can see color and all these different beautiful sights, or give us the cognitive abilities to... Uh, interpret and appreciate the beautiful sights we see our ears can hear all kinds of sounds and on and on we could go so we we know experientially if I have a faculty if I have a desire there's usually something here to satisfy it God thinks about this stuff he didn't have to make us with all these pleasurable uh, experiences but he did so we pursue satisfaction because the evidence is compelling that this world is is full of the things that we're looking for but yet we have those songs still haven't found what I'm looking for can't get no satisfaction and were we to go back where I was at at the early part of this message where I was saying where would you rate yourself 10 being man I am satisfied one being I am not satisfied at all we'd be all over the place in here today and a lot of it will be predicated upon what's going on in our life and so it's not a knock or anything like that but but might there be a level of satisfaction that God actually wants to give us to impart to us that nothing circumstantially can touch and will stabilize us even when we go through those fluctuating times where certain things kind of become the uh, the dimes that cover the eyes you know like if you hold two dimes out like this it doesn't block any sight any vision at all you know you can see everybody in the room you can see the sun but if you take a dime and you put them over your eyes it will block out the world it'll block out the sun this is what we often do with the one or two areas that we are dissatisfied with because we're driven we're driven to find satisfaction we base it on a lot of our experience let me give you another reason proverbs 27 20 now this gives us another side of this whole satisfaction uh, phenomenon just as death and destruction are never satisfied so human desire is what does it say never satisfied now is this a condemnation is it saying that you beings there's nothing ever enough for you or in other words is it saying that my desires and your desires are too extravagant or might it be saying that my desires and your desires are not extravagant enough I mean, could it be that we desire things that we think are very valuable and important, but they're really not that valuable and important? And could it be that there are other things we don't desire that are 
I mean, could it be that we settle for too little? Or are we condemned because we want too much? I mean, it's a thought-provoking thing. Let me share a couple of insights with you. There is a satisfaction. In other words, I can be satisfied, and it can be deadly. It's not a good satisfaction. And there is a dissatisfaction that can be what? Healthy. There can be healthy dissatisfaction. So, so it's not that my desires are necessarily too extravagant, that I'm insatiable, that nothing is ever enough for me. Now, there are people like that. But sometimes we're just simply not desiring enough. Let me, let me share some scripture. Let, let, let's let God speak to us, and he'll show us there's a certain level that we should refuse to be satisfied. And if we are satisfied, it literally is indicative we've lost a good portion of our soul. Not that it can't be recovered, but it's not a healthy thing. Look at what it says in James chapter 4, verse 4. And it's not speaking to you guys. You, I mean, you're not unfaithful people. But I mean, you could be an unfaithful person. I don't know. But anyway, you unfaithful people, James is writing to his audience then. Don't you know that love for this what? Evil world is what? Hatred towards God. Whoever wants to be a friend of this world is a what? Enemy of God. Now you say, well, Randy, I thought, you know, like, it says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's talking about the world of people. This is not. This is talking about the world system that has functioned through human history. It's a brutal system. It's a cruel system. It's kind of a survival of the fittest system that's existed. It's full of all the evil that we breathe in and out every day that we can't avoid. We try, but we can't avoid. Full of the corruption and the hatred and the prejudice and the violence and the crime and the war and the deception and all the rest of it. It is this this world of ours, this culture of ours that functions, but but it's a brutal really irregular sort of an existence we we are born into it so we're a little bit desensitized and thinking that it's normal but here's God saying if you love things as they are if you're satisfied with this world if you're like hey man it's good good enough for me give me you know 100 years you know I'll take it it's better than than anything I can think of God says you've lost something inside you you should be dissatisfied with this present world as it is in the book of first john it adds to this picture a little bit he says don't love the world again it's not talking about people here it's talking about that cultural system that we live in don't love the world and what it offers those who love the world don't have the what father's love he's saying if you can love this world as it is with all of its cruelty and with all its brutality and with all of its disease and all of its accidents and all of its tragedies then then you're not loving the way God loves because God is brokenhearted over the condition of this world so much so that he seeks to rescue us the reason that God came in Christ and revealed himself comprehensively and fully to humanity is to win back our trust so that he could lead us into the life that we were meant to experience and ultimately bring an end to the very existence of evil but that's yet future tense God is working out a timetable and a plan but there's a satisfaction that is unhealthy. So if we meet people that are good with things as they are, that's not necessarily something we say, well, gee, what a wonderfully easy to satisfy person. No, it might mean that part of their spirit and soul is just so dead, so desensitized that they are no longer able to see things in the glaring light that God wants us to see them. 
so let's look at this statement god-given satisfaction now that's what we're talking about we're going to spend the rest of the message on it god-given satisfaction it often starts with god-given what dissatisfaction i have to be dissatisfied with some things before god can give me his brand of satisfaction in this particular life as long as i am satisfied with this world as it is god frankly has nothing to offer me and i will go up and down i'll continue to fluctuate based on the occurrences from day to day week to week month to month jesus spoke specifically about this kind of a healthy restlessness in matthew 5 he said blessed are those who hunger and thirst but they hunger and thirst for what righteousness now this this is one of these words one of the things that i've done in this church for 31 years is i take some of you know this some of you maybe don't because you've been around me so long but i take churchy terminology and i refuse to just let it stand with the assumption that everybody knows what it means and i take it and i put it into everyday terms so we read the word righteousness and we tend to right away you know kind of churchy churchianize it um but but what is it really saying it, it's have you ever had i've had this happen have you ever had somebody come up to you and say man you're not right you are not right dude something wrong with you okay <laughs> i have had it happen that that's what that's saying it is god talking about people that look at the world look at ourselves because i'm part of the world i make up the world i'm part of the problem scripture says in case you didn't know it you are too <laughs> okay look at somebody and say you're part of the problem <laughs> i mean the scripture says we've all sinned and we fall short of the glory of god what's the glory of god it's the image of christ we were all meant to be a christ-like human being christ-like version of ourselves. so we all contribute to the problem but when it says there are some people that hunger and thirst after righteousness it's saying as i came to a conclusion at a certain stage in my life man you're not right and i don't want to stay this way I, I desperately need correction. I desperately need redirection. I desperately needed forgiveness. And so Jesus is saying there's a kind of a restlessness, there's a kind of a dissatisfaction with ourselves and with our world where, where we start saying things are not right, man. The world is not supposed to be cranking on like this. This, this should not be happening day after day, decade after decade, century after century. It should not be. I'm, I hunger for something more. I want, I want to be right. And what is right? I want to be the way the creator designed me to be. I want to live the way life was meant to be. I want to live the way the creator lives. I want to love the way the creator loves. That is what it means to be righteous. Let's take all the churchy thought out of it. It is simply saying, here's the way the creator lives. Here's the way he thinks. He designed us in his image, and he's saying, I made you to function like me. The only way life can work in the universe is if everybody lives the way I live and loves the way I love. Then there can be eternal life for everyone in pure harmony and safety. So, so righteousness, we have to ask ourselves. <laughs> I said this in the first service. Well, go back for a minute. Um, I said this in the first service. It's like if you get a group of people anywhere, I don't care, in your office anywhere at all, neighborhood, here, anywhere. And, and if you were to ask them something, it's a little cheesy, a little corny, a little confrontational. You say, are you interested in going to heaven? Would you like to go to heaven? Well, I, I don't know of anyone that says, no, I prefer hell. I would much rather go to hell you know not collect two hundred dollars for passing go go straight to hell is what i would like now there are occasionally people that are bold and they'll say yeah i'm gonna go to hell man because that's where all my buddies will be and we can party down there so they think <laughs> uh 
but no so we get confused everybody wants to go to heaven but does everybody want to be right made right made righteous do I hunger to be corrected do I hunger to be repaired do I hunger to be reconstructed in the image of God that's that's what I mean. do I hunger for righteousness do, do I can I look at myself and say man I don't want to be this guy I want to change I want to grow I because that's what it's talking about everybody wants to go to heaven but not everybody wants to be righteous and yet the reason that heaven is heaven is because everybody there trusts God completely and then obeys him entirely and that's what makes heaven heaven okay so we need to think it through do we let, let's not be theoretical here do I do you do we hunger and thirst after righteousness it's the right kind of self dissatisfaction it's the right kind of cultural dissatisfaction I want more I want more for myself I want more for the world I live in I don't want to live in a place where the kinds of things that happen every day in our world I don't want to stay in a place like that forever the older I get the more I feel that way and I'll bet a lot of you do as well so let's get on the other side of the equation how can we possess satisfaction now with the existence of evil we know that it's not going to be an entire package it's, it's an impossibility until evil is abolished forever but, but how can we possess God-given satisfaction because he actually wants each of us today to go out of here possessing a new kind of satisfaction that no circumstantial change can completely you know, steal away our, our sense of peace and joy in so that's what we want to look at today so, so how can we possess satisfaction on an elevated level than what we came in here experiencing it today alright here's, here's where it starts Isaiah 55 in the Old Testament it says why this is the Lord speaking to humanity he says why spend money on something that is not real food why work for something that doesn't really do what satisfy you God is saying why are you chasing that why are you pursuing that uh, why are you sacrificing for that because once you get it you're going to see it was not enough you're, you're, going to, you're going to go on a new chase some of us in here some of us in here we've been on the chase we pursued something we chased it down we pursued it hard and we won man we got what we were after and some of us have lived long enough that now that we got what we were after we don't want what we got we got what we want, but we no longer want what we got. Don't, don't look at the person beside you. That's, that would not be good on Father's Day or any day. <laughs> but that's what God's saying. He's saying you're chasing things for satisfaction, and when you get them, you're going to feel satisfied initially, but it's not going to last. These things can't, because you have a spirit, you have a soul, you're made in my image. You are searching for things that exterior things will never be able to satiate, never be, never be able to satisfy. So he says, why are you chasing these things? Listen closely to me, and you will eat what is good. Now notice he's transitioning here. He's using physical terms to describe spiritual experiences. Listen closely to me, and you will eat what is good. Your soul will enjoy the rich food that does what? Now, he's not talking about soul food, like in, you know, greens and things of that nature. He is talking about spiritual truth that comes from the Creator that will satisfy this longing we have for satisfaction. He's saying, 
what we're really looking for is a spiritual satisfaction and unless we have that spiritual satisfaction nothing else that we gain will satisfy us on a long-term basis nor will it satisfy us in a healthy way now he's going to tell us how to get this spiritual food this this soul food this soul or spiritual satisfaction he says your soul enjoy the rich food that satisfies come to what is the word me God says I have to come personally to him and do what listen I have to be teachable listen to me so you may live so God says look 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 if you want to have spiritual satisfaction and I created you to enjoy that you can't have it apart from me I can't give you the life you want apart from myself Christ says or the New Testament says that we are created by Christ and for Christ and apart from him life doesn't cohere it doesn't work out it just keeps breaking down I can keep trying to place other things to satisfy me but they'll just be short term and then I'll go on to something else and something how many of you have some people in your life you've just watched them just jump from one fad one pursuit to another to another to another to another how many know people like that how many are people like that oh gee confession good for yourself so God's saying there, there's something better there's a stabilizing satisfaction you're looking for but it's spiritual and you cannot get it apart from personal interaction with God personally coming to God and then listening that means I'm going to be submitted to God I'm going to be teachable listen to the way Jesus well, well let, me, let me give you a, a kind of a conclusion to this thought so we're looking for a satisfaction that is spiritual not physical we think we're looking for physical and circumstantial satisfaction and we are to some degree but that's not really what's behind the drive nor can it fulfill the longing listen to the way Jesus put this subject in John 6 35 he says I am the bread which is life whoever does what comes to me notice the intensely personal uh, component of this will never go hungry and whoever does what trusts in me will never what now we know Jesus is not talking about food and water but he is talking about spiritual reality saying there is something inside of a human being the spirit that we read about at the very beginning of this message the soul that hungers and thirsts after that which only God himself can give and if I keep God at an at a arm's length I'm always going to be churning yearning I'm always going to be chasing something new I'm always going to be a little dissatisfied and any satisfaction I have is going to be very fragile and short lived and so the answer is I've got to be willing to come to Jesus pause for a minute how many have met people that uh, <laughs> they say these patronizing things like uh, hey you know like the Jesus thing that that if you need that man if you need that that's good you know I, I remember your past Randy you you definitely needed Jesus you know so I, but but I don't I don't really need it for me you know I'm, I'm kind of on top of life I don't really need it but but you 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 probably you, you know, I can tell you're a rascal you really need Jesus you know but, but you know they, they, they say it in a patronizing way you know like they don't let me ask you this Jesus compares himself and a relationship with himself to food and water can Elon Musk live without food and water no is there any human on earth that can live without food and water no you, you can try but you're just going to get weak and sick and you'll finally shorten your life Jesus is saying no human being is adequate apart from their creator himself and he says until we come to him and notice he didn't say embrace a system of religion 
um, you know, you can become a Hindu or a Buddhist or embrace Christianity. It's not what he's saying. I don't know where we get some of these crazy thoughts. It's not a system. It's a person. Jesus says, come to, what is the word? Bear with me. Me. Until I say, you, my creator, the one that loved me so much, you came to this planet and ultimately went to a cross to prove your trustworthiness and love. You, I'm ready to come to you. I don't know if anybody else is ready. I don't know if anybody else is ready to trust in you, but I am. Until you can say that, and I say that experientially, then we're still going to be restless and dissatisfied. This, this, spiritual, this spiritual satisfaction that God wants to give everyone of us before we leave here today, it's first of all relational. Let's go there. It's relational, not circumstantial. We think it's circumstantial. Man, if I could just get this or have that work out or this person to think differently. Don't get me wrong. All those things are nice. They probably help some, but not without this relational uh, connection with our Creator, one in which we come to Him and say, Lord, I know I'm not adequate apart from You, and I trust You which means I'm now going to be teachable. I'm going to learn to live the way you design me. I'm going to stop doing what you say stop doing. I'm going to start doing what you say stop doing because I really think you know what's best and want what's best. That's what it's talking about. So this, this satisfaction we want, it is intensely spiritual and it's personal. We have to come to Christ. It's not about joining a church or joining a religion. It is about an intensely personal relationship with our creator Christ. Now I'm going to add to this. In Psalm 17, we're going to look at a couple of Psalms. So as for me, now this is, this is um, David talking. He says, As for me, I shall behold your face. He's speaking about God's face in righteousness. When I awake, he is talking about at his resurrection. I shall be satisfied with your, what does it say? Likeness. So he's adding a new dimension to this spiritual satisfaction. He's saying that he'll be satisfied. He knew he would be satisfied when he himself was changed completely changed so that he awakens with his re at his resurrection to be transformed completely character wise to the image of Christ he understood that part of satisfaction is me changing it is me growing it is me developing it is me becoming a different kind of a person let, let me add to that real quick there's a process explained here in 2 Corinthians Paul writing to followers of Christ living in Corinth he says and we all with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory it means we think about Christ we think about what he taught we think about the way he lived we think about his sacrificial death his resurrection his plans his purposes his promises his processes we, we think about him we contemplate the Lord's glory and as we do this we are being what is the word transformed into what that's saying you me all of us can change you, me, all of us can grow. There is not one habit we have. There is not one unrighteous per portion of our lives that can't be changed. And in fact, it is our destiny to grow, to develop, and to become more Christ-like. Now, this is a process. It is not overnight. It is not perfect. But it's saying that as we fixate on Christ and we say, I want to I think like you think and I want to live the way you live and I want to learn to love the way you love, we actually change. We grow. Now, here's what I'm trying to get at. When we change, when we grow, our desires change, okay? So like when you were, I don't know, three, four years old, um, your probably your greatest desire would be to you know be outside in the yard somewhere and, and playing with toys okay and and that would that would just be a ball man if you have five or six friends and you could just play outside in the yard with your toys 
all day long you, you know you couldn't imagine satisfaction any better than that, that, that that's pretty typical for children how many of you if i get you a box of toys and i put you out in the yard somewhere and let you play for five or six hours with toys with your friends you would feel as satisfied as what you did when you were kids okay there might be there's always one in every crowd god bless you sir you're you're a very easily contented man now if you were to get this same group of little kids and and you're trying to explain to them some book uh maybe a biography about somebody that went through tremendous trials and they came out on the right side and they were just heroic and sacrificial and godly and good and you're just you're so moved by this story and so you take those kids they're they're playing with their toys in the yard and you're trying to explain to them this story do those kids care a rip no 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 no. they're not at all interested they want to play with their toys as they should but as we develop as we grow our capacities our, our sensing organs change they grow so this is saying that part of what will bring spiritual and lasting satisfaction into your life my life is i need to grow i need to become more like christ and as i do my abilities to enjoy things change some of you know what i'm talking about you're, you're at this stage in life you've walked with christ a good long, long number of years and and you find that you have this new ability to appreciate very simple things and you're really exhilarated by very simple things you cherish them you see their value i mean it could be something as simple as you get up one morning and, and you smell a scent in the air man it might be honeysuckle or something like that in the air but it it moves you into kind of a euphoric state because you 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 sense the presence of god that brought the smell you know from the the honeysuckle and they gave you the capacity to smell you change and as we change we are satisfied by things that are easier to um, to get in our possession on a daily basis all right so the third point about it is this it's transformational not total we're not going to have total satisfaction yet in this life as long as evil's existence you can't have total satisfaction but it's a transformational i change and therefore i am satisfied more easily by things that are enduring let me take you one last place psalm 16 11, it says you show me the path of life psalmist again david speaking to god and in your presence is fullness of joy at your right hand there are what does it say pleasures forevermore occasionally i meet people in this life and i bet you, you some of you have said this too said this too and don't say this to yourself if you said this if you, if you ever say this to yourself if this is part of your self-talk just stop it just stop it if you say to yourself my best days are behind me be honest how many have ever said that man my best days are behind me can i see you're scared to confess that one aren't you okay thank you thank you you're at least you're honest the rest of them are they're lying they're not telling the truth <laughs> but we we catch ourselves saying that and and on some level we believe it some people say man you know for me it's never going to happen randy I'm, I'm never going to have this experience in life i always wished i always thought i'd have this experience a b c d whatever it is but i'm never going to have it's never going to happen for me and they feel like i lost out uh what what others had and they're satisfied because they have it i'll never have and i think to myself you don't really understand god very well do you the same god that created our capacities to experience pleasure on multiple levels in this life mental emotional physical pleasure that same god is going to create 
elevated capacities once we receive our new resurrection bodies and are in an immortal state. And this is giving us a hint. We're going to experience pleasures, God-given pleasures, holy pleasures, righteous pleasures, but elevated beyond anything. Listen, all of your best days are ahead of you. That's what I want you to take in, what I'm trying to say all of your best experiences you've never had them yet you won't have them in this life this life is at best it's like a little sampling you know how you go through those big stores and somebody's standing there saying would you like a piece of cheese you know you like a piece of cheese and they're hoping you'll buy the cheese the best experiences are the piece of cheese the best God is going to fill eternity with pleasures new capacities to experience pleasure that we cannot even fathom your best days are all ahead God is not some spoil sport he is going to shower us with pleasurable experiences for all eternity so that's the last component of it it's this this satisfaction that God wants to give us it's eternal it's not temporal now let me let me real quick run through these points so we said that this spiritual peace that we can all walk out of here with today it's spiritual not physical it's relational it only comes from intimacy with christ ongoing relational intimacy intimacy with christ it's transformational it actually causes me to live differently and it's ultimately going to be eternal not temporal now as i get ready to close the wheels on the plane or down i promise you um frequently well maybe not frequently every so often is a better way of putting it I will have people ask me uh, say Randy well, so tell, me your, tell me your story man you know like how did you come to Christ I had a couple that was here recently and they asked that and, and so when I tell the story I always try to do a condensed version of it because it's kind of long everybody's story is long if you tell it out but one of the things I say is you know between the age of 13 and 23 I just kind of went everywhere did everything left no stone unturned and, and just became a terrible human being to make it short and what I tell them usually in the story is I was 23 but I felt so old and, and, and I mean this I felt like there were no mysteries left for me I was not interested in money or anything like that so I felt like everything that I thought would satisfy me every, everything that I wanted to explore I felt like I'd explored and it didn't work it didn't satisfy me so part of my story is uh, uh, there I was 23 and I felt so old like I'd been everywhere and done everything and I know that sounds preposterous to some of you but that is how I felt and this thing was uh, hit me and it goes back to there's a spirit in we humans that God gives there's eternity in our hearts I just knew there had to be more and I wanted more I wanted meaning I wanted purpose the whole mad insanity of life I knew I just knew intuitively there had to be more and I equally intuitively knew the creator, God, was there and that he was the ultimate answer. Where else can there be an answer other than the creator? That's what ultimately brought me to Christ. Now, when I was looking at this message this week, I, I realized some things. When you look back on your spiritual experiences, it's easier to process them and then be able to articulate them. It's hard sometimes when they are happening. When I was 23 and first came to Christ, I, I didn't understand all the things that were happening inside of me when I came to Christ. But I only knew a few things. I knew this. I, I found out that even though I had broken virtually all of God's laws, I found out that He still loved me that he was for me he wanted to rescue me he forgave me and wanted me to know that he forgave me he <laughs> he wanted to rescue me primarily from myself he wanted to father me and and show me how to live uh, I, I knew that 
he valued me that I had significance because he created me in his image and and died on the cross for me I I knew that I was forgiven so he brought me security I knew that that if I just put my trust in Christ and became his follower he promised he'd give me eternal life in his kingdom so I had a sense of significance and security and then the third piece I didn't realize until I was processing this week when I came to Christ the only way I can explain to you looking back now and trying to verbalize this the way it felt was that I caught a glimpse of something it it, it was just (laughs) it was just a glimpse but I caught a vision a glimpse please don't over mystify this I mean this is purely in my mind it's not like the heavens parted and I saw a vision okay but I saw a short astonishingly beautiful picture of the creator of the universe in Christ and I'm telling you I have been smitten by that image for 50 years I, I, I I caught a glimpse of the most intelligent the most powerful the kindest the safest the most forgiving the most wonderfully Uh, tender-hearted being in the universe and I had no choice but to put my trust in him he won my trust completely and entirely Jesus told some parables in Matthew 13 verse 44 and 45 and he says there was this guy that found this treasure in a field and he didn't tell anybody about the treasure he went and bought the field and it says it took everything that he had to buy the field in the same place he said there was this other guy that was searching for special pearls and he found this one pearl that was better than any other pearl he gave everything that he had and bought that pearl and I know I know what he was talking about I didn't know it then I've known it now for 50 years when I found Christ I was satisfied I knew intuitively in my soul this is it this is what I was looking for in the madness of life he is the one his kingdom is what I've been looking for his family is what I've been ang- or, 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 ang- or I can't think of the word Uh, (laughs) aching is the word I was trying to find to be a part of and so I knew then I found it and and, and I look back now and I realized that since 23 I have been spiritually satisfied now you say Randy you you can get cranky like anybody else man your air conditioning breaks down you're not satisfied (laughs) you're right you're right I can I can put the dimes over my eyes just like all of us can But there's a difference I have been satisfied I I have known who I was why I'm here where I came from where I'm going how to live that every day has meaning every experience has meaning every experience has purpose I've known every second God is with me and I don't deserve it and he has rescued me more times than I can count many times that I did not deserve at all and I'm saying all this because I want so passionately for you I want you to enter into that spiritual satisfaction that that gift he wants to give you today but it can't happen unless you catch a glimpse of the beauty of the heart of God as it's revealed in Christ and once you do I'm telling you what's gonna happen to you you're you're gonna just like me you're gonna become a fool you're gonna fall so in love with Jesus and the kingdom of God and the purpose and plans of God that you will dedicate the rest of your life to it I don't mean you'll become like one of what I am whatever I am but you'll know what I'm saying that can happen for each and every person in this room today a loving God 
has put this fire, this passion in my heart to plead with each of you. Take the gift of satisfaction that he wants you to have. But it starts with taking him and taking him in a very intimate way, very personal way. Come to me, he said, and listen to me. Learn from me. Follow me. Trust Trust in me. God can't give us satisfaction apart from himself and apart from closeness, ongoing closeness with himself. Let me close with these thoughts. I've gone too long. Satisfaction is a powerful yet fragile spiritual state of being that requires. So it's powerful, but it's fragile because, like I said, we can get distracted. We fixate on the one thing that we're not satisfied with. So it requires this. Meditation, appreciation, and maturation. I need to remind myself of the character of Christ and Christ's kingdom and the benefits and the privileges. I need to thank God for the things I do have that I forget about instead of the things I don't have that I complain about. And then finally, maturation. I need to change. I need to grow because as I change and grow and become more Christ-like, my capacities for enjoying and appreciating the good things that are existent now, they increase, you know, exponentially, as does my satisfaction with awareness of those things. And finally this, yes, spiritual satisfaction, it's partial and imperfect in this present, but it will be total and perfect in the future. His kingdom is going to come, and His will is going to be done right on this earth. My suspicion is that everyone in this room is likely to actually live to see that with your own physical eyes happening. But even if not, why not take the gift of spiritual satisfaction that God wants every one of us to walk out of here today with? I hope you will. I hope you'll seize this God-given opportunity. Let's pray. Father, we, we know that we've seen and sensed some of your heart today how I pray it will make an indelible impression and we will, we will lay hold of that spiritual satisfaction that leads to perfect, entire, eternal satisfaction in your presence forevermore. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.